Hello everyone, welcome back to Island Nile. For those of you who have not been here before, my name is Sarah, I'm your host. And before we get into today's episode, just wanted to make a disclaimer that all the information that is in this episode and in every other episode on my podcast is just information that I have found from various sources online. They're all publicly available. I have no ill intent in distributing this information. It is purely for educational, entertainment and awareness purposes. So with all that being said, we will head on into today's case. On June 16th, 2009, a man's body was discovered in County Sligo. The identity of this man was unknown. He had no ID, had cut off all the tags from his clothes, used a fake name, the name Peter Bergman, and used a fake address when checking into his hotel in Sligo Town. Thus began an investigation to discover who this man was, where he was from, and if he had any family or friends who were missing him. Today's episode is my very first listener write-in. If anyone has any case suggestions, if you're listening on Spotify, there is a Q&A box where you can send them in. If you're listening on any of the other platforms that this podcast is available, then check out my social media platforms where you can send me a DM. Um, I am on Instagram and TikTok at Island Denial Podcast. And with all that being said, let's get into today's case. On June 12th, 2009, an unidentified grey-haired man wearing a black leather jacket boarded the 4pm bus at the Derry Terminal which would take him to Sligo Town. This man was described to have an accent and it's theorised he was from either Austria or Germany. After getting off the bus, the man got into a taxi and asked the driver to bring him to a cheap place to stay. Firstly, he was brought to Krushkeen Lawn Guest House on Connolly Street, but it was full. I sincerely apologise if I butchered how to pronounce that, but I was not very good at Irish, and I still am not, so anyways. Then they went to Sligo City Hotel on Key Street, where he entered the hotel at 6.52pm, with no reservation or pre-booking made. With him, he had a black laptop-type bag over his shoulder, a black hold-all, and a purple plastic carrier bag. It's kind of like one of those plastic shopping bags but like the stronger ones, not like the little flimsy ones that you get at the butchers. He inquired about a room, which he received, for the next four days. When checking in, he used the name Peter Bergman, and with an address in the city of Wien, 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 I don't know how to pronounce this, in Austria. It was noted by the guards during the investigation that he spelled Bergman with two N's. Um, a few countries spell it with two N's and some only use the one, and the use of two N's indicates an Austrian national, which of course he used an Austrian address, so it's safe to assume he was from Austria. Workers at the hotel said that he became a familiar face around the hotel. Peter would come down for his breakfast every morning and would return to his room at about 8.30am. They said he was a quiet man who didn't tend to mingle with other people, he just kept very much to himself. And it was very difficult to keep track of him because he was constantly just in and out of the hotel. They had actually noticed that every day he would leave the hotel with his purple plastic carrier bag. And when he returned, he would no longer be carrying the bag. The guards would later state that he was using this purple bag to dispose of his personal belongings around Sligo Town. On the morning of Saturday, the 13th of June, 2009, 
Peter went to the post office in Sligo Town where he purchased 10 82 cent stamps and airmail stickers. Now, back in 2009, it cost 55 cents to post a letter within Ireland and then 82 cents to post one outside of Ireland. It was never established when or where the letters that he sent using these stamps and stickers went to or whom they were sent to. However, he definitely had some correspondence with someone somewhere in the world. John O'Reilly, the detective inspector attached to the Sligo Leitrim division, who oversaw this case, was one of the guards who received a USB stick from the post office, returned to the station to look at the CCTV footage to see if they could figure out what Peter had posted, where he posted it to. However, it was discovered that there had actually been some technical issues. The footage had not been downloaded to the USB stick. And when the guards returned to the post office to ask them to try again with downloading the footage, it was completely gone off their system. On this day, the 13th of June, one of the housekeepers had attempted to enter Peter's room to clean it, but couldn't get in. So this housekeeper then went and retrieved someone senior to her who knocked on the door, received no response, and then entered his room using her master key. Upon entering the room, she saw Peter, who appeared startled by her presence. She said, quote, It wasn't nearly as if I had caught him doing something, or that I caught him off guard. It was relief that it was me. End quote. So in other words, he was taken by surprise that someone had entered the room, but he was relieved to see that it was her like a staff member who had come into the room so i don't know what was going on with him it gets you kind of thinking like who was he expecting and of course you're going to be startled if some random person enters your room but why did he seem so relieved who who did he think was breaking into his room that he was so relieved when he saw a staff member there instead i don't know (laughs) it's the short answer i have no idea but it just gets you thinking considering the way that this case goes At around 11am on Sunday the 14th of June 2009, Peter approached a taxi and he pointed to a place on a map that he was holding and asked the taxi driver where would be the quietest beach as he wanted to go for a swim. The taxi driver said he thought Ross's Point was a quieter place in his opinion. So Peter said yeah not a bother the taxi driver brought peter to ross's point peter got out of the taxi had a look around the area keep in mind peter at this point was still going around the town with his purple plastic bag every time he left the hotel and because of this there was an extensive search conducted throughout sligo town be it in rubbish bins public areas gardens of properties private properties cars and also the local dump Um, And the guards actually pointed out that he had no issues being seen on CCTV. Like there was numerous spottings of him on CCTV, which you can see in a short film that I watched when researching this case that I can't remember the name of right now, but I will come back to that and I will mention it and it will be in the description of today's episode. But you can see him walking around with his purple bag, but you never actually see where he goes to dispose of any of the stuff. So you you can monitor his movements throughout the day, but they were unable to pinpoint where he disposed of all of his belongings. Like, this man went to severely great lengths to ensure that none of his personal property was ever found. 
On Monday morning, the 15th of June, 2009, Peter came down to reception and asked could he have a late checkout because he mentioned that he needed to run some errands. After receiving that late checkout, he went upstairs, got his purple plastic bag once again and left the hotel. Peter walked from Sligo City Hotel to the bus terminal. As he was en route, he disposed of his black hole doll bag. However, the location in which he disposed of this bag is still unknown to this day. When he reached the bus stop, he only had two bags, the laptop type bag and the purple plastic bag. He went to the coffee shop at the bus station where he bought a sandwich and a cappuccino. He sat at a table in the coffee shop where he took out a piece of paper and began writing. When he left, however, he tore up this piece of paper and threw it away. This torn up note was never found. Peter got onto the bus and asked for a single one-way ticket to Ross's Point Beach. One witness said that the beach had been relatively empty that day with few people walking along the beach. They said, quote, this guy stood out because he was so professionally dressed or just stood out in the black clothes. He had a newspaper under his arm and was just walking. It didn't look right, end quote. And there's another quote, quote, he looked almost out of place and out of time, end quote. All these quotes were from the same woman. Um, so this last quote, quote, about 20 to 30 minutes later, we were on a return and I said, Fiona, that guy is still on the beach, end quote. Which I mean, what, they said he looked out of place and out of time. I feel like a lot of older gentlemen kind of dress up quite a lot. Like they, they look more professional looking than your standard person going to the beach. Like I'm sure it was probably odd, but if I saw an older man at the beach and he was kind of just walking around he was just sitting down reading a newspaper I wouldn't really think much of it I would just think like oh he's just he's just come for a little walk but I don't know maybe that's just me I I don't think I would have taken much notice but numerous people did take notice of him so I mean I can't really say much because then the next the next witness said that he had seen a man fully clothed and that quote he had his trousers rolled up to his knees and he was walking parallel to the water in his bare feet he was ankle deep in the water, end quote. This witness also said that Peter was kind of stooped over with his hands behind his back and appeared to just be in a world of his own. Then another witness who had been out that night for his a girlfriend's birthday dinner said that the two of them were walking back towards the ramp at the beach and the man had been walking down the ramp. This witness said hello to Peter and Peter just nodded back to them. He described Peter as a man with, quote, grey hair, black leather jacket, end quote, and that he had pale enough skin. The witness said, quote, only for the fact it was the 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I would have completely forgotten, end quote. Which that's, that's what I mean when I say I wouldn't have taken much notice to an older gentleman being dressed like more professionally or kind of, quote unquote, looking out of place because like they're always kind of dressed up, I feel like or a good few older gentlemen would be. So I don't think I would have taken much notice to him, to be honest, in that regard, but I don't know. On the morning of Tuesday, the 16th of June, 2009, a young man named Brian and his father, Arthur Kinsella, I apologise if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, I probably am. <laughs> uh, but Brian and Arthur were at Ross's Point Beach at around 6.30am, because Brian was training for triathlon. Brian was training in the water while his dad was walking on the beach as he did every morning. As Arthur was walking along the beach, he noticed what looked like a mannequin in the sand, um, just as the fog was lifting. And as he got closer, he realized it was in fact not a mannequin, but it was a dead body. 
looked like they had drowned and that his he was actually faced down in the sand. Um, Arthur said, quote, we walked around the body just to make sure that he was dead. And I actually placed my hand on his ankle and it was marble cold, end quote. He called his son Brian out of the water and asked him to join him in saying grace, which he said brought some, quote, serenity and calmness to the scene. Sergeant Terry McMahon was 45 minutes into his shift when he received the call from Arthur. Sergeant McMahon sent out a car to the scene while he went to the storeroom in the station where he found a blue tarpaulin because he said they knew if there was a body they would need something to block it from the public's gaze. The man's clothes had all of its tags removed which just showed the level of detail and planning that he had put into remaining unidentified. Peter was found wearing purple striped speedos with underwear over it with a navy t-shirt tucked in. There were numerous objects found on the rocks near his body. They found a black leather jacket, fin comfort shoes, size 44, dark socks, black leather CNA jacket, navy CNA chino trousers, a black sleeveless Tommy Hilfiger jumper, and a, a black leather Key West USA belt. His postmortem was concluded in Sligo University Hospital. During the beginning of the examination, there had been no signs of foul play, nor was there any evidence of seawater drowning. Upon further examination, they found that Peter had extensive cancer of his prostate and tumours in his bones. There was also evidence of previous heart attack, so like it's it's very clear that Peter was a man with extensive health problems. The toxicology report showed no signs of even as much as a common painkiller, such as paracetamol or aspirin, which is actually very unusual for someone with such diseases as cancer, because that can be very painful. His DNA and fingerprints were circulated to all police forces, but he didn't come up in any jurisdiction. The Austrian police searched the address he gave the hotel, but determined that such an address didn't exist. It was just a vacant lot. There were no, nor had there ever been, any passports issued to a male with this name and description anywhere in mainland Europe, America or South America. Following the release of a short documentary on the case back in 2013, the case went viral, in particular in Colombia and France, while also widely spreading on YouTube. And this is the documentary that I said that I watched on YouTube earlier and I would put in the description down below. No one ever came forward to claim Peter's body, so the HSC purchased a grave for him. He was buried in an unmarked grave in Sligo Cemetery, on the 18th of September 2009, six people attended his funeral. Now, um, as you can imagine, there is a good few theories about who Peter was, why he came to Sligo, why he didn't want anyone finding him. And I have a list of some of them here that we will go through, some of which are <laughs> definitely questionable, but um, let me know what you think. But the first one is that he was either an intelligence officer or a gangster on the run. Which I don't believe at all. The second one is some people actually thought that he was an extraterrestrial being that was lost on Earth. So people thought he was an alien who got stranded on Earth. But like... <laughs> Why Why would he be disposing of his belongings like that if he was just an alien lost on Earth? I'm sure 
I'm not going to shoot down people who believe in that. My granddad believed in aliens. So I'm not I'm not going to, you know, stomp on people's dreams of there being extraterrestrial life out there, but I don't think Peter was one of those. Um the third one is that he was a Nazi criminal who wanted to hide his identity because the children of Nazi criminals lived in anonymity, wishing to hide from the stuff that their parents did. Which, I mean, I don't want to get controversial (laughs) with talking about this, but I feel like I'm not on... I don't want to get political, is what I mean. I don't want to get political in this thing, in this episode, but, I mean, I I can see where children of Nazi criminals are coming from, not wanting to be associated with the Nazis. But I also know that there is some people who very much so support what their parents did and still have the same ideologies as them. So that's hit or miss. Um, The fourth theory that I have listed here is that some people think that this was all just a hoax. That um, they, I would hope they would not waste this much resources on a hoax. If it was a hoax, like what, what's the reason for it? Like, what's the reason behind this hoax? That would like what, 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 what would, what would the government gain out of this? Just a random man dying alone on a beach. Like, I don't see how this would be a hoax, at all. It also put the government out of money because the HSE is the one who bought this man's grave. Because of this whole situation, but I don't know. Anyways, the very last theory I have, which is the theory that I believe, is that. This mystery man was just very, very sick and just wanted to leave this earth on his own terms. He just wanted to pass away peacefully on his own. Now, the only weird thing about this is obviously that he went to such great lengths to hide who he was and where he was from. Like, so no one no one could ever identify him. No one could ever be like, okay, this is my dad. This is my granddad. This is my uncle. This is my cousin. Like, we're going to go and lay him to rest now. He... Like, no one ever claimed him. If he does have family or friends out there, they don't know where he is, they don't know what happened. Although I'm sure they probably do, considering it was very popular and there's, like, a documentary about it. I don't know. But, like, I don't think... I don't think there's any sinister beneath the surface of this. I think this was just a sick man. I agree with this theory so much. I think it was just a sick man who wanted to pass away peacefully on his own. And who knows, maybe he doesn't have any family. Maybe he had no wife, no kids. Maybe he was just the last person of his family to go and he just wanted to go peacefully on his own, not bothering anyone. Now, the only thing is, like, obviously there'd be neighbours and stuff that would... I'm sure he had some amount of friends. Like, someone out there knows something. Someone recognises this man. But maybe he just said, look, I'm going away. If I end up dead, don't, don't give him any information. Just let me be. I don't know why he would do that. But he he did not want to be identified. He just wanted to pass away. I don't think... He didn't drown, so I actually don't know... I actually don't have anywhere here about how he died. But he didn't drown, anyways. He definitely didn't drown. He either died of cancer, but I actually don't have a cause of death here. I'm gonna search that. Okay, yeah. No one knows. No one knows how he died. Yeah, maybe he just passed away from his cancer. But I don't know how it would have been the exact day that he checked out of the um hotel like i don't know how he knew he was gonna die that day but they didn't find anything in his toxicology report he didn't drown so i i don't know 
it's a, it's a mystery. It's a mystery who this man is. It's a mystery how he died. It was a very interesting case to research. And it's so sad to think about that this man, no one came forward to claim him. No one. Like, it's just, it's heart-wrenching. But at the end of the day, it's what he wanted, because otherwise he wouldn't have gone to such great lengths to hide who he was and where he was from. <clears throat> Warming up the mic once again. Let's go. <laughs> that is everything in today's case. Just like I said in the intro, want to make a disclaimer once again that all the information I found is information freely, publicly available. There was some contradicting statements in regards to how Peter's body was found, whether he was naked, whether he had clothes on, where his stuff was found. This, the the few objects that I listed that I said were near the rocks. Um, I went with what I saw most often and what was in the documentary that I mentioned. And very quickly, I'm going to search up what that documentary was. It is called The Last Days of Peter Bergman. It's a 2013 short film. You can find that on YouTube and watch it yourself if you want. It shows CCTV footage of Peter in and out of the hotel and I think a couple of times throughout Sligo Town. And it has interviews with the witnesses that I quoted earlier. So if you want to have another look and deep dive into it, check out that video. I will link it in the description for today's episode. Um, so that's mainly what I went with, with what I heard in the documentary and what was most prevalent in most sources. But there was contradictions. So if I am wrong on any of those and you know I'm wrong, let me know and I will correct myself next time. But for now, that is everything on Peter Bergman. That is all the information I have on today's case. If anyone has any case suggestions, please let me know via the Q&A box on Spotify or if you're listening on any other platforms. You can go to my social media on Instagram and TikTok. It is at Island Nile Podcast, where you can DM me and let me know there. Following these platforms also keeps you up to date on when I'm posting next as I don't have a schedule for posting because I am just a college student doing this in my spare time. So that is the best way to keep up to date with what's going on with me what's going on with the podcast and when you can expect another episode i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and i will see you next time bye everyone